What's going on, everyone? And welcome to the first episode of the Loud Hounds podcast. Um, this is a sports podcast brought to you by Bobby McInnes and Thomas Spallone. Shout out to Graycom Studios uh, for helping us out and letting us record here. Uh, Tom, how's it going? I'm doing great. I'm uh, more than excited today for <clears throat> our first episode. We came in here a week ago wondering what we could do to, to get involved with communications and we got a podcast in a week, so can't get any better than that. I know, great opportunity, and uh, I'm excited to see where this takes us. So for our first episode, we're going to be talking about the Miami Dolphins, uh, Eli Jones and the Giants situation, and lastly, we're going to be talking about players demanding trade and um, trying to hold out for contracts. So with no further ado, the Miami Dolphins, Tom, they're doing a little bit of a rebuild situation. A lot of people have been calling it tanking for Tua, and I feel like they've kind of been embracing that so far this season. Yeah, you can definitely tell throughout their first uh, <clears throat> three games, a negative 117-point uh, differential, that's that's terrible. That's by far the worst in the league. Um, they, they, everyone knew that they were going to be probably the worst in the league this year, but they've really come out and looked looked awful. They have no weapons whatsoever to, to work with and the tanking for two a phrase is is for sure a good idea yeah I mean when you talk about gutting out um, I think they're doing it the right way uh, they trade away Minka Fitzpatrick who's you know he's a young stud but they did get really good return they got a first round pick um, they traded away Kiko Alonso to the Saints I believe they traded away Kenny Stills and Laramie Tunsil to the Texans um, and they also traded away Robert Quinn Tannehill in the offseason but through all this they've accumulated some draft picks they own three first round draft picks in the first round this year their own uh, the Steelers and the Texans and in the second round they have their own and the Saints so you know accumulating these draft picks really building up good draft stock I think that they're going about this the right way they definitely are, and they probably will end up with the first overall pick, so I would assume they go to, uh, and they do have that Pittsburgh <coughs> first-round uh, draft pick, and Pittsburgh's not doing too well right now, and if they do finish bottom five in the league, they could even maybe try to go for um, to his teammate at Bama, uh, Judy. Yeah, Jerry Judy. Could be an option. Um, one of the great receivers. He's projected to be the first receiver off the draft board. And you mentioned the other draft picks that they have. Um, according to ESPN Football Player Index, uh, football power index, excuse me, the Dolphins pick uh, has a 95.6% chance at the top five, landing in the top five of the draft. The Steelers pick has a 62% chance at top 10, and the Houston Texans are doing pretty well this season, um, not really in a, a powerful division, so they only have a 10.8% chance at the top 10. But nonetheless, uh, they do have a lot of draft capital, and even if they their own pick does not end up being number one, they can definitely trade for that number one pick and end up with the quarterback they want. Yeah, we know they're definitely going to get the young uh, talent that they want in this draft. It's just a matter of <clears throat> can they coach these guys up well, can they bring them up, and can they start winning in a few years? Yeah, the only thing that I'm nervous about is the team morale. You know, players have came out and said that they do not want to play for the Miami Dolphins um, because of this rebuild. They don't want to sit through this. Um, like like we mentioned earlier, Minka Fitzpatrick, he requested trade, and a lot of players voiced – um, their opinion about the Laramie Tunsil trade, and they were mad that they traded away a very young, talented lineman. Um, so, you know, it could it gets tricky here because the Dolphins they're looking ahead at the future, but the present um, there's definitely a lot of drama going on there. Yeah, it's tough on the players for sure. But imagine being a <clears throat> Miami Dolphin fan, 
you sit there every Sunday and you can't even get a win. I mean, most likely they're going to go zero and sixteen. So it's it's tough for the players for sure right now and the fan base. And hopefully they can recover in r- roughly two to three years. I'm hoping this this rebuild takes probably more towards three years. Yeah, there's a lot of plans. Um, I see it being a three year plan. Um, they kind of have to trust the process and have that mentality that the Philadelphia 76ers did in the NBA. Um, like I said earlier, I think Miami has the right idea, but um, definitely a three-year plan. Kind of reminds me a little bit of what Cleveland did a couple years ago, and now Cleveland's on the rise. We know they found their quarterback, Baker Mayfield. They've, they're providing him with so many weapons with uh, OBJ, Jarvis Landry, um, Njoku. So they're building something good there, but it did take some time. They did miss on a lot of first-round draft picks. Um, but, you know, we'll have to see what happens in Miami. Hopefully it turns out better. Um, in the long run than it did for Cleveland. Yeah, you have to hope that they hit on these on these guys. So you think that it'll work out in the end? Yeah, I would say in three years that they'll be mu- they'll be much better off in the uh, AFC East. They definitely need a hit on Tua though, because if Tua can't translate to the I mean, he's playing amazing in college, um, has a very good chance he's leading odds to win the Heisman Trophy. Um, however, if he's a bust in the NFL. Like what happened in Cleveland, it's going to set them back even further, and this doesn't become a three-year plan. It's going to be a multiple-year uh, plan and you know, could even take a decade to rebuild. Yeah, I know Tua is lighting it up at Alabama, but the only thing that does worry me is his height. He's not as tall as most quarterbacks are. Uh, he does have good speed. He's been able to throw the ball well in college, so he's definitely your, your best quarterback coming out of the class uh, this upcoming year. But then you look two years into the future, and you have possibly – one of the best college um, draft picks coming out, Trevor Lawrence, that's playing at Clemson right now. So you obviously got to go after a quarterback this year, but you really have to hope that you hit on him. Yeah, and there's definitely uh, a lot of options for them uh, in the upcoming drafts. They also have picks in 2021, so um, could be exciting for Dolphins in the upcoming years. However, right now, there's no doubt that they're the worst team in the NFL. And speaking about bad teams in the NFL and projected uh, worst teams in the NFL. The New York Giants have recently transitioned to their rookie quarterback, Daniel Jones, replacing Eli Manning. Um, What are your thoughts about that, Tom? Yeah, uh, as soon as I heard the news, being a Giant fan, I was excited because you really want to see the future and what you have with Daniel Jones. And Eli Manning back there, quarterback, just wasn't getting it done the past few two to three years and obviously the first two weeks of this uh, 2019 season. And I really thought that they would have given Eli at least eight weeks, see probably when they were mathematically eliminated from playoff contention. Then you go to Daniel Jones, see what you have for the end of the season. And um, they went to him right away, and it really panned out so far. Well, let me ask you, were you one of those fans where, you know, when Gettleman made this decision to draft Daniel Jones, a quarterback out of Duke, at pick six, um, what side of the fence were you on? Were you the type of fan that was backing him up and said, you know what, let's let's see what this kid got? Or were you one of those frustrated fans? I know uh, we live in that New York area, um, and there's a lot of frustration there, um, kind of questioning what the Giants were doing, especially after trading uh, Odell Beckham. So how did you feel about this? pick when you first heard Daniel Jane, uh, Daniel Jones' name called? Yes, that's a great question. I was actually in a, a service trip for my school in uh, West Virginia, so I didn't have any connection to anything, so I was a little like worried. But then the day, uh, the day or two after that it happened, I did realize that we drafted Daniel Jones at six, and I was extremely disappointed because Duke quarterbacks, who's made it out of Duke that's that's played well in the NFL? Rarely anyone. And you had a guy, Dwayne Haskins, who put up great numbers with Ohio State in the Big Ten, and he was supposed to be the guy in the draft. And when they went with Daniel Jones, I was I was disappointed for sure. But then once the season came up upon, I was like, you got to give the guy at least a shot. He hasn't played a game yet. And he looked good in the preseason. I know you're playing against second, third team defenses, 
but he did look good. He, he had good uh, pocket, stayed in the pocket, threw the ball well, and he came out in his first regular season game, and, and now everyone's on the, the DJ bandwagon for sure. Well, he, there's no doubt about it that he balled out um, last Sunday in week three. However, a lot of Giants fans were also saying, you know, maybe we could have got this guy later in the draft. He might not have been as high on other teams' draft boards, um, and, you know, the Giants could have went with an edge rusher like Josh Allen at pick six. Definitely. So um, what do you think about that? Do you think that, you know, is the right decision? Because, you know, if you really see your quarterback, you can't get too cute. You have to just go out and take him. Why risk um, hoping that he falls when there's other teams that could jump up and take him? So Yeah, I do agree with Gettleman on how he did attack immediately six pick, go right after him if you want him, because if you want him that badly, you got to go get him. Because if you, the next pick I think they had was 17, where they got Lawrence, the uh, D tackle. So if you wait till 17, maybe another team takes him. Odds are, odds are they probably he probably still would have been on the board. But if they wanted him, go get him. And let's see if he pans out. Week, week uh, three was a good start for him, though, for sure. Yeah, and replacing... Eli Manning, um, it's definitely something that hit the heart of Giants fans. You know, he provided them with two rings. Uh, his overall record was only 500, but you know what? Um, not a losing quarterback. Uh, sitting right at that 500 mark, he was a four-time Pro Bowler, um, and he actually played 13 full seasons out of his 16-year career. Very durable, very durable for most quarterbacks in the league. You see a lot of these guys, especially this season, going down with injuries. Big Breeze. Ben, yeah, Big Ben, Drew Brees. Yep, Newton. A, a numerous amount of quarterbacks, um, but like you were saying, but yeah, very durable, which helped him out throughout his career. That's obviously going to help his Hall of Fame case. And the two rings against probably the best quarterback of all time, Tom Brady, easily puts him into the Hall of Fame. But it is tough for Giants fans to see him on the sideline. But I, I do have to admit that he did a great job on the sideline uh, Sunday, mentoring Daniel Jones on the sideline, going over the plays, celebrating with him when he came back to the sideline after throwing or rushing in a touchdown, and celebrating with him after the game when, when the Buccaneers missed a crucial game-winning field goal. And it's just that's great. That's what you want to see from a, a seasoned veteran like Eli Manning, who's on his way out of the league to uh, cheer up or root for your young quarterback that's replaced you. Yeah, and you mentioned throwing for a touchdown, running for a touchdown. He actually did that twice. He had two throwing touchdowns, two rushing touchdowns, along with 336 yards in the air, um, 28 on the ground. He finished with a passer rating of 112.7. However, he did fumble twice, but you know what? Rookies are going to fumble. Rookies are going to turn the ball over. They're going to throw interceptions, um, which he did not. Um, however, yeah, those rookie mistakes, they're going to happen. However, the completion percentage, I was pretty impressed with 63.9, um, completing 23 on 36 passing attempts. Um, pretty good stat line for Daniel Jones. Yeah, I do have to say it is very refreshing for Giants fans to see a quarterback that's mobile because Eli Manning was a, a great quarterback, but he wasn't mobile. And it, it, it did hurt the Giants at, at points. And this really opens up the playbook because you can go play action. You can go roll out. You can do a bunch of things with, with a quarterback like Daniel Jones. You can do the read option. And uh, it opened up the playbook for the Giants. And I think Daniel Jones did find a few um, key receivers that he can he can uh, eye on now throughout the end of the season because he was throwing the ball to Ingram a lot, who is a tight end, but he acts like a wide receiver the way he's shaped. He's not a blocker. He's a receiver, and he, he threw the ball to Shepard a lot. So I think he's found his comfort zone so far, which is which is good. The only problem is the big blow for Giants and Giants fans is Barkley's injury. Barkley, yep, out probably four to eight weeks. It's probably um, going to be a, a high ankle sprain right now it is, right? Yeah, so Saquon, uh, obviously everyone knows the news, out four to eight weeks. 
um, and I believe the return is closer to the eight-week side. Um, and like you said, big blow for Giants fans, and I think an even bigger blow for Daniel Jones and his progression because that's a guy that you can check down to. Exactly. It's someone that teams need to prepare for in the running game. So I think um, huge loss. You don't uh, have that safe, safety blanket. Exactly, you know I mean? that safety blanket would definitely help Daniel Jones progress. Um, and that's really all the Giants want to see this season. I'm not sure what their record is going to finish with. I see them winning probably between four to six games. Um, however, all you need to see this year is Daniel Jones progressing because, like we all know, the Giants were ranked very low to start the preseason. Low um, expectations. Nobody expected them to make the make a playoff run. So all you want to see is Daniel Jones progressing. Um, but, yeah, how do you see this Giants team you know, playing out the rest of the season after this win? Yeah, if you're looking at it as a positive Giant fan like I am, I, would, I was hoping for maybe 8-8. Eight and eight. But if you're going to be a little bit more realistic about it, you probably think around five and uh, five and eleven, six and ten. But um, yeah, obviously, I don't want to see anything but Daniel Jones progressing throughout the year because then you know you have a quarterback for the future. Yeah, I mean, I I'm sure the Giants will find a way to win some more games. They have the Redskins twice. Um, they play the Jets, Miami. So there's a uh, a lot of low talent teams there um, and teams who have not been doing so well to start the season however like I said you know the Giants record it will not matter at the end of the season all you need to know is that Daniel Jones is the guy going forward and I think that at the end of the season if you can say that statement confidently the Giants are going in the right direction for sure um, similarly with the Jets uh, we could touch on the Jets real quick Sam Darnold out with mono um, big blow for them but however if he's if when he comes back if he comes back strong um, the Jets off to an 0-3 start this season but if they know that he's the guy going forward and there's other pieces playing well around him and you have a successful offseason playoffs aren't out of the picture for either team quite frankly yeah Jets are 0-3 right now but you have guys like CJ Mosley who's a big defensive leader out and uh, Quinn and Williams the draft pick for the Jets first rounder is, was also out, and then obviously Donald, the quarterback, has been out. And just playing with a third-string quarterback is just – it's not realistic if you want to be successful in the NFL. You know what I mean? But but Donald should be returning uh, the week after – this is going to be their bye week coming up week four. So he should be returning week five, latest week six, I would assume. Yeah, right? he, they're saying he's on track um, for week five. Obviously, they're going to have to play it safe because getting hit when you have mono with the enlarged spleen, um, there's a lot of complications there. But – also, Mosley and Quinn Williams are also aiming for a Week 5 return. So, yeah, the Jets, um, they, they're getting their players back. However, 0-3 start is not what you like to see. But um, from what I hear, the coaches keep reminding the Jets that the Colts were off to a 1-5 start last year and still made the playoffs. So, obviously, um, they still have that winning mentality, and they want to get things going in the right direction before it's too late. Yeah, you got to keep things positive in the locker room obviously for the coaches even though it hasn't started off great you never know what's going to happen people get injured you just got to play through it and hope for the best and speaking about keeping things positive in the locker room there's been a lot of players in the league who have been holding out for contracts demanding trades and trying to pretty much control where their next destination is going to be um, before that time comes so what are your thoughts about that you know we've seen Everything that's happened with Antonio Brown, the Melvin Gordon holdout. Last year, we had Le'Veon Bell hold out the entire season. Jalen Ramsey, Minka Fitzpatrick have requested trades. Um, what are your thoughts on all this drama in the NFL with contracts? I, I really don't like it. I think it, it's actually ruining the NFL, to be honest, because you have a guy like Antonio Brown who took over the offseason with negative news every single day in and day out from the frostbite. To, to not getting along with the Oakland players, fighting with threatening to punch the GM. It's, it's just an yeah. unhealthy environment for any pl player to, teammate to be around. And, I mean, the Raiders were on hard knocks this year, but 
quite honestly, you could have just looked at Antonio Brown's Twitter feed to get all the drama you exactly. needed. Um, but then we look at, you know, a player like Melvin Gordon. He hasn't requested uh, – I mean, he has re- he has requested a trade, um, but the Chargers made it clear that they're not trading him. He's been holding out for a contract, um, but the Chargers aren't biting because they have – uh, good running backs behind him uh, with Austin Eckler, Justin Jackson, and Eckler's off to an amazing start this year. So, you know, are the players in the wrong, or do you think that the teams are in the wrong for not getting these deals done? It could go hand in hand, but I I would more so blame the players just because some of the times they're not asking for a realistic amount of money. They want they want too much, and, and GMs aren't going to give in, and they shouldn't have to, especially with the Cowboys this offseason, with um, having to pay Zeke, and having to pay Amari Cooper, and they're trying to balance their their flow there. But it, I, it's obviously tough when you have a lot of superstars on a team. But Zeke, uh, Dak Prescott is asking for a ridiculous amount of money. Yeah, Ezekiel Elliott, they did get the deal done right before the season started, which was big. He deserves to get paid. Some players, when they ask for big money, deserve to get paid, but some don't. I'm gonna have to, yeah, I'm just gonna have to counter that real quick, only because I believe that players, especially in football are in a position where their career can be over at any minute with an injury. And we saw um, last season with the Seahawks, Earl Thomas, he decided not to hold out and come back and play. However, he went down with an injury, um, season ending. It could have been even worse. If it was career ending, he would have had no security because he did not sign a long-term contract with no guaranteed money. You know what I mean? So he was playing on that one-year deal. Um, however, he did get signed in the off season. He's with the Ravens now. Um, but still, you got to think about the players and the security um, that they're looking for. Melvin Gordon is also a guy who gets hurt a lot. When he's on the field, he's one of the best players, and he deserves to be paid like one. Um, so he's trying to protect himself before going out there and playing in a one-year contract where one injury can end your career. That is true, yeah. These players nowadays are looking for a lot of security because of all the injuries that happen, especially in the NFL. So, yeah, you could you could take the side of the players on that for sure. But with that being said, the teams are not obligated to sign these players. No. For the Chargers, if it if it's not right for Melvin Gordon to come back, um, which I believe it's not, you have Austin Eckler, who's right very talented, um, then there's no need to sign him. There's no need. Let him walk in the offseason or trade him for what you can. Um, however, there are certain situations where the team should give in to these star players like like you mentioned, the Cowboys and Ezekiel Elliott. That's a special type of talent, um, and he can single-handedly win games for that Cowboys team. So I definitely think it depends on the situation, um, and there's not really one side to blame for not getting these contracts done. No, not at all. I would definitely blame more the side of pl- for players for, for requesting trades, but for deals getting done, that's there's really no one to blame there. Yeah, so uh, that's about going to do it for our first episode of the Loud Hounds podcast. Um, thank you for tuning in to episode one. Shout out Graycom Studios. I'm Bobby McInnes alongside Thomas Ballone. We're going to sign off.